Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every year's Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. If this is indeed your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, Gallup poll shows that Biden's approval number is sinking to 37%. Who the hell belongs to the satisfied 37%, though? you got to wonder. And, and, and what are they getting out of this constitution-violating, foreign policy-fumbling, and economy-killing Neanderthalic crap stain? What are you getting out of this idiot? Also, Biden's FHFA May 1st rule requiring those with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit for mortgages is a tax not written by Congress, thus violating the Constitution. So will Congress sue to protect its separation of powers? I don't want to hear its drivel about, we're going to try to pass a law that says you can't do that. We've already got laws that say he can't do that. The most primary law that says he can't do it is Article One of the Constitution. He's not allowed to write taxes on his own. So screw the GOP-led House's efforts to try to look as if they're doing something. No, you need to take this guy's collective ass to court. You need to take the executive office to court because they are now, as a matter of language, unless language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it, as a matter of language, this douchebag in the White House and the executive branch is violating the Constitution of the United States, denotatively and connotatively. You can drill language down to its most rudimentary nucleic form, and he is doing that. Anyway, without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Mike Pallack's uh, Director of Tax Policy at Americans for Tax Reform. Mike, good to have you back. How are you today? 
Good. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you. know, I was looking at your uh, site. By the way, give Grover a good hello for me. See, say hi for me. Happy to do that. I'll be glad to hear it. He's been coming on my show since 1998. <laughs> He's been around with me for a long time. I've been to a number of those uh, famous Wednesday meetings, and i got to go back to a couple. Um, looking at this piece by uh, John Karch, K-A-R-T-C-H, IRS hiring gun-carrying agents in all 50 states, um, starts off a review of the IRS job board shows the agency is seeking to hire armed agents in all 50 states. Quote, we're hiring special agents now, states the IRS website in all caps. With an exclamation point for emphasis, quote, click here to apply today. Uh, under the major duty section of the job description, applicants are notified they must be willing to use force up to and including the use of deadly force. Um, now, there's only specific kinds of agents working at the IRS who are allowed to carry these uh, firearms. But the concern is, um, are they going to play fast and loose with the law? What say you on this issue? Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is a continued effort by Democrats to underplay the size and scope of the expansion uh, of the IRS from their bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, passed last August. So you've seen this this continued push to downplay both the number of IRS agents being hired and what their role will be. So what we've seen publicly this week is the importance of congressional oversight and having House Republicans be able to perform that oversight on the IRS. Uh, So in the weeks leading up to yesterday, we had the new IRS Commissioner, Danny Werfel, uh, publicly stating his repeated line again and again is that these new agents are going to be armed only with calculators. Um, that's what he tells the media in press conferences. That's what he tells the American public. But when he's testifying before Congress, all of a sudden he's willing to admit that actually 1,200 of these new IRS agents are going to be special agents who are carrying guns. Uh, and then we also see at the same time the new job posting on the IRS website that they're going to be hiring these agents in all 50 states, uh, 360 vacancies just for this year um, it, with, with uh, descriptions for the job that would certainly surprise most people, uh, including the willingness to use deadly force to be able to carry a, 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 a weapon. Um, and, and this is deeply troubling given the IRS's background. What we know from Treasury Inspector General reports, um, the agency responsible for providing this internal oversight, uh, things that you know that should be of concern, like the IRS uh, agents uh, accidentally discharge their weapons more than they purposely shoot them. Uh, so this is the type of thing that, regardless of, of where your political beliefs are, we should be deeply concerned in paying attention to this as, as we have uh, a massive expansion of the IRS underway now. Well, the IRS has been spanked in the past when they took liberties they shouldn't have. You might remember the infamous uh, series of episodes surrounding the IRS targeting conservative nonprofits over all other kinds of nonprofits. Um, the uh, people who took the IRS to court won. The plaintiffs were able to show a paper trail of uh, lawlessness at the IRS, connecting uh, the dots between Lois Lerner and instructions she was giving to many at the IRS uh, to apply a selectivity uh, that is not countenanced by any law in the books. And the courts found uh, in favor of the plaintiffs. But unfortunately, individuals were never held accountable. The agency as a whole was, but not individuals. This is the problem with qualified immunity. Um, Another problem, of course, is that we have the Cleveland Board of Education v. Loudermill, 1985, in which the court then ruled that government workers can regard their jobs as property, and because they can be regarded as property, they really have constitutional protections from getting fired, because, as you know, the Constitution says you, quote-unquote, can't be deprived life, liberty, or property without due process. So, uh, you know, you want to get rid of a miscreant uh, uh, employee, a negligent employee, an abusive one, 
uh, the director or the department head wishing to get rid of this employee now has to meet the standards that would have to be achieved by a prosecutor going after somebody for a felony or a capital offense. And let's face it, you know, unless we have the ability to meaningfully um, threaten job security of those who work for the government, that we don't have a meaningful leverage uh, to bring about job improvement. These people are just too insulated from accountability as it is. And now we're arming that many more. What, we've got 87,000 more IRS agents, and as you say, 1,200 of them are going to be armed with uh, weaponry, correct? That's right, and, that, and that's why we have congressional oversight is so important right now. Uh, the current IRS chief, he was also the acting IRS uh, head during the Obama administration in 2013, right in the aftermath of the Lois Lerner uh, scandal, where conservative groups were targeted. Uh, this has been continually an attempt to sweep this under the rug by the IRS, even in yesterday's hearing before the Ways and Means Committee, uh, Workful, the IRS chief, he was asked about this. He only referred to it using alleged, alleged uh, concerns over conservative targeting. As you point out, this is something that happened. Wait, 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 wait. What's the yeah. alleged? The alleged no longer applies because they were found guilty by a court of law. They were yeah, already fined and had yeah. to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Alleged? What is this guy, functionally illiterate? Denotatively yeah, or connotatively, the word alleged does not belong uh, to the discussion surrounding those egregious acts. Where am I mistake? No, you are absolutely correct. Uh, the mistake is on the IRS, and they try to think they might need a reminder of this, although I think they know when they're trying to sweep this under the rug. Uh, this is something that Werfel was there working at the time. Uh, the IRS was uh, forced to publicly admit this back in 2013, that they did, in fact, target conservative groups. Only one uh, conservative group was appointed for nonprofit tax status uh, early on in the Obama administration over a period of several years. Department of Justice settled, uh, was forced to settle with conservative groups that sued the government over this. Uh, this is all publicly acknowledged, and now we have the IRS pretending it didn't happen. Right as we have a wave of new concern of public abuses by the IRS, uh, we have them leaking to ProPublica the specific tax returns of wealthy individuals right at the time. You have the president pushing for new wealth taxes and new taxes on stock buybacks, um, all, all leaks from the IRS of stolen information uh, that is politically timed to help the president. That's why I'm saying leaders have got to remember that when they disconnect themselves from the very laws they require the rest of us to follow, that kind of conduct equals tyranny. And when this happens, it activates our Constitution's uh, Second Amendment option right to maintain what's, quote-unquote, necessary to the security of a free state. I mean, I hope these guys start remembering that, execute a greater capacity for self-appraisal. I don't think we're at that juncture yet. But if aggregate government ever gets to that point, it's Katie by the door. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Stick with us. Spring is here. Time to get out of the gym and take your workout outdoors. Whether you're walking, running, swimming, or biking, it's important to have a proper warm-up routine to prevent injuries. Five-time Ironman triathlon world champion Craig Crowey Alexander has some advice. Sprains, strains, and injuries can happen to any athlete. Even a minor injury can affect your performance and derail your fitness routine. One of the best ways to try and prevent injuries is to make sure you prepare properly. Alexander recommends always starting with a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm-up. Activation exercises combined with some dynamic movements like lunges are great for warming up. Focus on one specific movement at a time until you feel ready to go. Be sure to listen to your body and use proper support gear when needed to protect yourself and prevent injury. The Curad Performance Series Ironman lineup includes rugged supports, wraps, kinesiology tape, bandages, and analgesics to support you on your fitness journey. For more, go to curad.com. 
This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. formally announced his campaign for a second term uh, early this week, just one in four Americans believe he should run for re-election. 70% say he shouldn't run. And let me show you even more of this poll. 53% of 2020 Biden voters say he shouldn't run. 64% of Democrats who voted for Sanders or Warren in the 2020 primaries think he shouldn't run. And 76% of voters under 35 think he shouldn't run. And what's the top concern for that? We asked voters. We didn't prompt them. We said, why don't you think he should run? Well, these were the responses. It almost is all about his age and his ability to do the job. Again, these are among Democratic primary voters. Wow. Um, 
Not good news for Joe Biden, is it? Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We're listening to NBC's Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. Uh, Chuck goes over a new NBC poll, one of a few actually. Um, multiple polls aren't doing uh, Joe Biden any favors. But anyway, this one to which he refers found most Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run in 2024. And when asked why, Democrats said age and, and competence were concerned, but mostly age. But competence does factor into it. It most assuredly factors into it. Uh, because additional news came for Biden from another NBC poll last week saying that 74% of respondents say the country is on the wrong track. 74%. So it's not just about age. The same people who put out the poll to which uh, Chuck Todd referred, saying that all the lousy numbers are mostly attributable to age, in another NBC poll said that 74% of the uh, country say that our nation is on the wrong track. Now, you put that together with this latest Gallup poll to which I'm about to, to refer, saying that only 16% believe the economy is good sh- in good shape. Well, then it becomes clear that Biden is really lucky as hell that the election is not today. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing. Old friend of the show, none other than John Zmirak, senior editor at The Stream. Uh, John was press secretary for Louisiana Governor Mike Foster, as well as having been a reporter and editor at Success Magazine. He was at Investor's Business Daily as well. By the way, he's co-author of 13 books, including the highly praised work entitled Politically Incorrect Guide to Immigration. John, good to have you back. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. I think what we're seeing here is the fact that people have lost their rational compass. The same people who are saying they hope Biden doesn't run again and that he's not doing a good job and that they're worse off than they were under Trump – they still would not vote for Trump over Biden, um, overwhelmingly the people we're talking about. And it's because they've been – they're part of a moral blackmailing, a kind of Salem witch trials moral panic where for f- four or five years, every established media, piece of the media, every virtually every institution, churches, colleges, magazines have said – that Donald Trump represents some kind of primal evil. He represents this this extremist sect that somehow represents half the country. Half the country are dangerous, hateful extremists imbued with racism and and anti-Semitism and homophobia and every possible phobia. These people think the other half of the country, the red states, are basically Nazi Germany. And, and they, they made that clear when they described pushing back against Trump as the resistance, capital R, as if they were those brave free French fighters fighting the Nazis running concentration camps. This kind of moral hysteria took over all the opinion elites, and anyone who descended from it was canceled or destroyed. Uh, pe- people like Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge and ordinary citizens like Kyle Rittenhouse. So – that is how they will reelect an incompetent, incontinent, shambling zombie from a corrupt crime family to a second term. They, I think the Democratic establishment has decided it's going to be Biden, and it doesn't matter that he is like a, a sock puppet or an inflatable, an inflatable mannequin sitting in the Oval Office because the elites – 
are letting us know we have it in hand. We have it under control. It doesn't matter who's president. We're being run by secret committee. I am a little more sanguine than you. I do believe that folks, after a while, fall into the category of, hey, who are you going to believe? Um, the guy who's telling you something or your own lying eyes. Um, <laughs> the, the, media, the media can get away with, you know, the media can get away with so much spin. If, it's, if you're talking about a topic that doesn't affect everybody's personal life, yeah, you can assuage them that um, A, B, and C is actually true even if it's not. You can convince them that a policy is helpful even if, it's, even if it's nefarious. But when you talk about policies that have been enacted which are now leading to things that are hurting people in their everyday lives, then you can point to a tree and call it a bicycle all day long. They still know <laughs> it's a tree. And that's why I say the woke will be eventually put to sleep because their inverted burden of proof structure in, in, in all arguments is simply unsustainable. They're using these presuppositions masquerading as settled argument versus showing how the argument was ever actually settled. They make these assertions, and they're unable to tether them to any measurable standard of accountability in dialogue and debate. They just lead with the accusation and don't support the, uh, and don't provide supporting grounds. And people because are catching on to that. It was like when, they, uh, when, they, uh, when, when uh, Trump nominated Kavanaugh for the Supreme yeah. Court. The left were yelling at the GOP-led Senate judiciary. Well, how can you put a rapist on the Supreme Court? How can you put a rapist on the Supreme Court? That presupposed that he had ever been shown to be one. And then, of course, people found out that actually he wasn't. It was all a big lie. And that's why I say the woke will eventually be put to sleep, because let's face it, my friend, there really is a limit to how long folks can take seriously assertions endlessly predicated on what are really just other assertions with only shaming tactics used as their validation. Where am I hoping for so much? No, yeah, you're right. I mean, and let's remember, only two or three years after the Salem witch trials, everybody in Salem was really ashamed of themselves, and they Thank admitted you. they were wrong. So let, let's hope that America today is as enlightened and free and fair as Puritan Salem in New England in the 17th century, in which case, you know, maybe we'll have a comeback. But the silencing of, of people like Tucker Carlson is really ominous when you see the so-called conservative establishment playing its own part in silencing some of the boldest, most rational critics of the regime. Well, we also have to remember, Tucker had some other th challenges going on. My understanding is that they revealed some memoranda that disclosed how he was saying some very unkind things to coworkers. So there's a whole lot of soap operas going on as well. And I like Tucker. I know Tucker. I've had him on the show a bunch of times, those some years ago. Um, yeah, I, he, he's a sharp mind, and he's very in inquiring. And uh, I believe he knows how to convey an argument quite uh, effectively. But um, I, I got to wait to find out more before I pass any opinions on the Tucker Carlson issue. Strangely enough, though, getting back to um, what you mentioned before about how counterintuitive the Democrats can be on occasion. Again, while according to the um, latest Gallup poll, 83% uh, of Democrats supposedly approve of Biden's conduct in office, even as only 37% uh, of the country do. But 83% of Democrats supposedly approve Biden's conduct in office. But at the same time, the majority of Democrats in most polls prefer that he not run again. Now, as dismal as is the 83% support, why would most Democrats support the very guy who most don't want to see again? Why the disconnect? John Zamirak, I'd like you to respond to that upon our return. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back.
From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. (laughs) I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. We're looking at Joe Biden's abysmal poll numbers. Um, uh, you, you're wondering why it is he is even thinking about running. Um, and uh, in that uh, area of discussion, we have old friend of the show, John Zamirak, uh, senior editor at The Stream, again, former press secretary for Louisiana Governor Mike Foster, as well as having been a reporter and editor at Success Magazine, as well as Investors Business Daily. Uh, John, appreciate you sticking around. Thanks so much. Sure. Um, Right now, uh, we have some additional bad news for Joe Biden when looking at the polls. And it came from an NBC poll last week saying that 74% of respondents believe the country is on the wrong track. And again, when you put that together with this most recent Gallup poll saying that only 16% of respondents say the economy is in good shape, I think it becomes clear that Biden really is fortunate that the election that the election isn't this week. Or, or, or again, am I being too snarky? Well, I think until we fix election fraud, it doesn't really matter. So <laughs> I think the Republicans you think need to get... Right, you're talking about election fraud, which, of course, would neutralize everything. It wouldn't matter if the That's majority right. of people don't want somebody, if that particular person's party is able to cheat with impunity... Uh, then people wind up with an elected leader that really wasn't elected. Now, um, do you think we have a better grasp in preventing that, this go-around, than we did the last? Um, I don't know. I mean, people like Carrie Lake were defeated. Uh, The Republican establishment in places like Georgia rallied behind the same people who permitted the election fraud last time. Um, And I, I think it wasn't just the presidential race. I think, you know, several Senate races were stolen, for instance, in Michigan. And I think the Republican, there, the powerful elements in the Republican Party would rather lose elections than see the Trump faction dominate the party. They would, I think, Mitch McConnell would rather the Republicans be a minority party than that they be a populist nationalist party. And I think we have to acknowledge that the, the GOP's donor class uh, so despised the voter base of the party that they, they'd rather lose than lose control of the Xerox machines and the phone banks and the mailing lists. But then you're telling me that they want to embrace the law of diminishing returns. And again, that exists when you when whatever you're getting out of a thing is exceeded by what you're losing. Wouldn't they be losing more by such a thing? I mean, at least with no, the they Trump make voters, money. at least with the Trump voters, they have a chance to better enact the policies that they would like. 
versus the Democrats. I mean, do they honestly believe they're going to have a greater chance of getting their way with Democrats in charge than with their own party in charge, though it might be uh, further populated by a wing that they prefer not to have? I mean, because it strikes me that the establishment party or the establishment component of the Republican Party uh, has the same aversion to accountability as do the left in that yeah. uh, they characterize accountability as being more inappropriate than their shirking of it. But let's look at greed. Let's look at what's in it for That's them. That's right. If you only look at what's in it for them, they would still seem to be better off having the GOP in charge, even if a greater preponderance of the party is dominated by Trump supporters, because a lot of the the uh, agendas that they would like to see enacted are definitely going to be looked more favorably upon, more favorably upon uh, by the Trump wing uh, than the Democrats. Where am I mistaken? Well, here's. Well, because the problem is the people I'm talking about are the people, literally the few thousand people who run the institution, and they get person. They are personally enriched by money all flowing into the Republican National Committee and then all flowing to the consultants who are their friends. And they make huge salaries and they wield personal power. I'm not talking about like voters. I'm talking about a small professional cadre of a few thousand people who run the party's institution. And, And it's always been known that that conservative organizations and candidates and people like that raise more money when the Democrats win. When Obama won, they raised huge amounts of money, which they prom- which they promised to use to repeal Obamacare. So of course, not, of course, none of that happened. But they had they had a you know a bonanza in terms of fundraising. So insofar as we're talking about they were one vote shy, it was because of yeah. John McCain, That's and if right. he had just dropped dead. A few weeks earlier, that yeah. could have been remedied. He but went no. to his rich, he rich hung reward. around and he got to vote all because he was a pouting little thing. He's a guy. He was personally insulted wrongly by by Trump. Let's make that clear. However, he allowed his ego to trump everything. Pardon the pun, because he had for a long time been against Obamacare, and he just decided to vote uh, to keep it alive because Trump would have won the day. It was Let's one vote mind. away. Obamacare was, going to be, Obamacare was going to be killed. But unfortunately, it, McCain was still alive to vote as he did. Go ahead. McCain is also the guy who took the phony Russia dossier, which he knew was phony, and gave it to the FBI, thus creating the whole Russia collusion hoax and two fake impeachment trials. I never John saw McCain a guy was... sully his own legacy yeah. as I did. And I had him on my show once, and he was a phenomenal American. I mean, when he went through as a POW and deciding to stick around versus letting uh, himself get favored and, and, and leave earlier because of his uh, connections with his dad, uh, that was a, a brave act. But it just goes to show, just as the bad doesn't erase the good, nor does the good erase the bad. He still wound up being one hell of a piece of crap after the fact. And he That's wound right. up, I mean, he pledged to do all he could to get rid of Obamacare because he claimed he could understand the injurious impact it was having on our universal, on our health care universally, as well as the nation's economy. But because of his petty hatred for Trump, he was the one who saved Obamacare. And, and for that, is- I will forever piss on his grave. I agree with you, and and if you remember his funeral, 
It was a gathering of all the most disgusting Republican collaborators, uh, the Vichy sellout Republicans. They all gathered. You, we saw George W. Bush holding hands and cuddling with Michelle Obama. It was the whole corrupt leadership of class of America, the uniparty, the, the, the war party, the, the, the people who profit from the from the decline and corruption of our country and Trump was angry he wasn't invited he should have been honored he wasn't invited if a meteorite had hit Washington DC on the day of John McCain's funeral that would have been the best thing that could have happened to the United States of America in 225 years no I agree and I say this as a fellow squid I served in the Navy as well and I had always been a big fan of McCain I always liked his maverick style uh, I was always a fellow centrist um, but when I saw him turn his back on his own principles because he embraced pettiness over those principles, I was sickened. I but was that is the Republican – that is the Republican establishment in a nutshell. They would rather control the Xerox machines and the mailing lists of a losing minority party than let a populist wing like the Trump wing – take over the party and win. They really would prefer to take their marbles and go home because they personally profit even from losing. And you have to keep that kind of Machiavellian motivation in mind when, when you think about people like Karl Rove, uh, who are still powerful forces in Republican politics. Karl Rove, who single-handedly destroyed the Tea Party movement by buying up all its mailing lists from all the activists who'd started these real organizations and then just using them to soak people for money, just, again, for his own personal profit. I'm just surprised that it's permitted as it is. It's, it's grim, and this is why I watch Steve Bannon, his War Room show. Every day he goes into the nitty-gritty details of how this works and the corruption of the establishment. I, again, I, I think... With Tucker Carlson off the air, people should be watching War Room. It's on Rumble and it's on Real America's Voice. And we need to go into the nitty-gritty, tedious details of voter fraud and the backroom deals of the Republican National Committee to understand that we are misrepresented by corrupt leaders for most of the GOP, and we need an internal purge in the Republican Party before it can actually do anything. Well, you know what I am sanguine about is that we do have some people waking up, not just uh, in the establishment uh, GOP, uh, starting to understand how bad things have gotten, but even in the liberal sectors, we're starting to see folks uh, voice opinions about how concerned they are with the censorial government that we're facing. We talked about this a bit yesterday. Actor Tim Robbins recently spanked his fellow Democrats for having forgotten the importance of the First Amendment guaranteeing our freedom of speech, including for a press uh, they may not always like. He admonished those, his fellow lefties, who uh, threatened award-winning reporter Matt Taibbi simply because they didn't like the revelations he brought to light concerning the government tag-teaming with civilian groups to censor Americans disagreeing with the left on COVID or illegal immigration or the quashing of the Hunter Biden laptop story. I mean, he really, he really went after them. He said, quote, what an embarrassing, shameful time for the Democrats and the free press. You are losing any shred of credibility you had, you effing fools. (laughs) Good for him. I mean, he really went after them. And there are a number of people on the left. Uh, Martina Navratilova is going after her fellow, uh, you know, liberals because they don't understand the dangers of letting trans females 
um, rival uh, naturally born females in competitive sports and how violating it is of women's rights. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize, 
Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-right, two-dimensional approach. Delighted you could be with us. I want to go off the beaten path a little bit here, uh, introduce our friend of the show, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, MD, MPH. She's also known as the Terrorist Therapist. She hosts both the Terrorist Therapist Show and Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. Uh, she is also a board-certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist as well as being a three-time Emmy-honored TV news talk commentator. Uh, Dr. Lieberman, good to have you back. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good to be back. No, good to have you. Good to have you. Now, I understand your big question is, what's so dangerous about the contents of the Nashville Shooters uh, Manifesto? Uh, you're not saying that uh, the manifesto is itself um, not dangerous. What you're, what you're pointing out is that we shouldn't consider it to be dangerous to share uh, but that's what's happening right now. Isn't that fair to say? I'm, reading, I'm looking at the New York Post, and it says the manifesto from uh, Covenant School shooter Audrey Hale will be released after authorities prepared for public consumption. Nashville police said Thursday, <clears throat> pardon me, Hale's writings have been the subject of much speculation in the aftermath of the twisted mass shooting inside the Covenant School where three young students and three staffers were fatally shot. A trove of writings was seized from Hale's home, though it's unclear what will exactly be shown to the public. Quote, the investigation has advanced to the point that writings from the Covenant shooter are now being reviewed for public release, and that process is underway and will take a little time. A Metro Nashville Police Department spokesperson said uh, to the Post, police on Thursday could not give a firm date when the writings would be released and would not confirm if everything would be shown to the public. I th- and it goes on to say, Hale, who is identified as transgender, was killed by cops who quickly responded to the private Christian school minutes after the killer began the depraved March 27th shooting spree. Your big concern, I think, is that uh, the police would want to censor this at all, um, or am I mistaken? Well, you know, it's, it, there's really pro, there are pros and cons. There's really not no one right answer. I mean, we certainly know from uh, the past that we, it's important for the police to be transparent, you know, for because of different things that have happened in the past where they weren't. Um, on the other hand, you know, it, it really basically depends upon what is in the manifesto. I mean, we know that she made plans and, you know, where she was going to go into this school and she had other targets and so on, even relatives. Um, you know, if it's just 
plant, if it's mostly really just uh, like a, well, I mean, that's dangerous too. If it's mostly just a how-to, you know, of course that can be dangerous by other uh, people following the same path, literally. But um, I think what's more interesting and, and helpful is if we find out more about what was going on in her mind. Um, because that still has been a mystery. Uh, I mean, we know we have little clues, like, for example, it's not a coincidence. I think it, it definitely was a targeted attack. Um, I think when she was at that school, she probably was um, feeling very conflicted about, uh, you know, some thoughts that she had that didn't go along with the religion and so on, particularly about her sexuality. Um, you know, <laughs> One of the things, of course, as a psychiatrist that really in, in all of these kinds of cases just uh, um, bothers me tremendously. So far, they have said that she was under the treatment of a doctor, but we don't know what kind of a doctor, whether it was a psychiatrist or a family doctor, whoever it was. Were you were troubled by the fact that there were so many who, when asked about the horrific event, were were more interested in defending Trans, the rights of transgender people than they were in addressing the horror story that took place. I mean, I, I think we can be supportive of the trans community uh, while still recognizing that such a response is a rather imbecilic one to share at a time when people have just lost the lives of family members. Where am I mistaken? Well, you know, um, no, I mean, yes, I don't see how it's not like people were making this up and saying that she was trans when she when there were obvious signs, you know, she changed her pronoun. She hadn't completely um, changed over. But but, you know, I think the danger in releasing um, her manifesto and other things that they found is primarily that this is a time when the trans community is feeling angrier than ever before. And I, I would be concerned, I am concerned, that, um, you know, following this path, following things that she said, it's not so much like the literal log logistics, go here, you know, buy this gun, not that kind of thing, but just her thinking that, um, that would encourage other trans people to think, yeah, we are um, we are discriminated against. We we are there are all these things in the world against us. We need to fight. And in but fact, then, there doesn't are that, some doesn't things. that lean into the idea of you know every group is comprised of people who are monolithic? I mean, I, I always believe more in individuality than I do group think. I mean, I, because once we and once we walk down that path, then all of a sudden it's it's always going to be cart before the horse, won't it? I mean. Uh, is, isn't it a question, shouldn't we be thinking that, um, you know, in, in the universe of arguments rising and falling on their merits, um, are people, are, should we, for instance, start curtailing information so as to ensure that people don't do a thing versus letting free speech reign so that arguments rise and fall on their merits and, and, and people can rationally determined for themselves not to do crazy things because once we start saying we have the right to censor things in the name of stopping bad behavior then all of a sudden you give full license to those who just want to shut down free speech in, in no, a universal I certainly, way no 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 i certainly didn't mean to imply that um i am not you know i, I free speech is under assault also in this country and so of course um, you know, it's important to to not censor anything. Uh, I'm just saying that there is kind of a, um, you know, there is a, a growing um, 
anger uh, in the trans community. It's not just, it's not so much, you know, feeling... But is it irrational uh, anger? I, I'll give you an example. If you tell trans females, transgender females, that you don't think it's a good idea, idea for them to be able to rival naturally born females yes. in competitive sports, they characterize that as being transphobic as opposed to just embracing science. I mean, what's wrong with saying that yes. you can be pro-transgender while still recognizing the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in competitive sports? I mean, it, it, it just strikes me as, as something that's all about sophistry, is it not? Well, I mean, that is a good example um, because there have been some news stories recently about, um, you know, there's more of an effort, first of all, to not let trans compete with biological women. And the trans community is getting more and more infuriated about that. But why? It, it, I mean, even Martina Navratilova, who's very supportive of the trans community, says you shouldn't be permitting uh, trans uh, females to compete with naturally born females because trans females have a scientifically provable physiological advantage uh, that, that can't be denied. I mean, can't we celebrate that community while still not denying science? It, that would be nice. In a perfect world, yes. Yeah, I mean, versus a preferred narrative camouflaged as a superior morality. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.